Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. Um, I uh, This is actually episode 43 and I'm joined by my amazing wife, Jessica. Say hello. Hello, everybody. And today we're going to be talking nothing controversial, just vaccine passports yeah, and um, the state of emergency a little bit. Uh, talk about redistricting, I think. And um, we'll also talk about a, a front page article that we actually got our podcast was featured in. Shocking. Front page. <laughs> it was pretty... <laughs> Below uh, the fold, though. Were so. you surprised that uh, they wanted to do an article on us? Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. Were you? Yeah, I was a little surprised. Um, but it is kind of a novelty. You don't see a lot of politicians, elected officials like yourself, and even a lot of pastors kind of shy away from kind of getting out of their lane, talking about areas that aren't necessarily religious or theology. Mm, um, I wouldn't say out of your lane. You are an American citizen. Yeah, but I mean, they're not they're not vocal. They're not public sure. about it. Yeah. They don't kind of put their positions out there. And I'll certainly a lot of a lot of elected officials shy away from doing any sort of media, let alone having a weekly podcast where they're on the record. <laughs> um, so kudos to you. You're a brave, brave person. Not and the typical, you too. Not the typical politician, for sure. Um, all right. So let's talk about that, that Projo article. What do you think? Okay. So... Well, this, I have to be honest, right? I'm always. By the way, if you missed it, it was uh, November 29th, I think the Monday, uh, no, Monday, November 29th, Projo. Yeah. But if you're a subscriber to Projo like we are, you'll be able to read it. I know a lot of folks have, are not, you know, they're not subscribing to, yeah. to Projo. You can Google um, Mr. and Mrs. Church and State, mm-hmm. and that should bring it up. Okay. You know, Providence Journal, Mr. and Mrs. Church and State. Maybe that's our, you know, should have been our podcast. Or the name, Mr. Yeah. Mrs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what you think? I had to actually explain the title to uh, a fellow legislator because he's like, what do you mean? Separation of church and state. And he I, thought that you were advocating for, you know, joining the two. Yeah. And, and, and I said, having... no, no, no. I said, he's a pastor. He's church and I'm a state senator. So I'm a state. Get yeah. it? Church and state. Get it? He's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe it's a problem if we have to explain it to people. <laughs> it's kind of like the jokes that you have to explain and, and yeah. nobody laughs at, even after you've explained it. So. Well, it gets people intrigued, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So about the article, I have to say overall, I think it was a fair article. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the local media here in Rhode Island does a pretty good job um, of being balanced or trying to be balanced. And it's nothing like the national media. media. Yeah. It's not, nothing like watching CNN or Fox News. and um, But it, I took issue with one of the things said, mm-hmm. um, or maybe two things. Regarding the masks, I felt um, the article made it sound like Republicans are the only ones in the state house not wearing a mask. Uh, and as I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again right here, this is not a partisan issue. It's not a party line thing at the state house. Mm-hmm. And there are Democrats that do not wear a mask. Why is that? Is it a personal objection to wearing a mask indoors? Is it because? Um, well, some people like, feel like, you know, we've all been vaccinated, right? Or, or they have say, the antibodies. Or they have the or, antibodies, okay. something like that. Or maybe they have a medical condition. They can't wear one because they have allergies or asthma or something like that. So there are various reasons. And personally, I don't ask people because I feel like it's none of my business. Mm-hmm. Um 
And uh, some people feel like, you know, we've met the metrics. I'm one of those people like we've met all of the... At this point, 95% yeah. of the state has been vaccinated. 96%, and, according to the governor. First at least dose. of the adults, yeah, right? right. Have received one dose, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I thought it was pretty balanced. And you know, I can't expect this right. is not like a... What about that argument that regarding mask wearing, like in the state house? Um, I, I think I've heard some lawmakers insist that uh, the the legislature is not under the authority of the executive branch. Mm-hmm. Therefore, an executive order, you know, mandating that legislators wear a mask is right. un, unenforceable. That I think be, there's some merit to that. There is, and there was a legislator who asked me on Twitter if that was my stance and mm-hmm. yeah, I quoted him, you know, um, as to why. And that is the reason why it's a, an issue of separation of, of powers. powers. Right. Like that, that seems like a, just a principled position where it's not, it's trying to remove the whole, you know, mask or COVID, mm-hmm. um, the, the politics of that and just making about, no, this is about government. Do you want the executive branch being able to mandate how and when and under what conditions legislators are able to meet. Right. So that's sort of a, an interesting line to to be drawn in the sand, saying we're not we're not going to abide by that kind of um, mandate or that kind of uh, order. It's not a it's not a black and white thing. Yeah. There are many reasons why. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a great explanation. Yeah. What What about um, anything else? What about you? Well, what did you think? I, I think there was one point where the. Um, uh, the article kind of pegged this as anti-vax, and I would take issue with that because yeah, I'm not okay. anti-vaccine. I think over and over again, we've tried to almost uh, maybe to a fault, we've constantly and, and repeated ourselves that we're pro-vaccine, but we're anti-coercion, we're right. anti-mandate. Mm-hmm. We really believe that each person should be able to make up their own mind when it comes to this kind of thing. Right. Uh, and and, and you know, there are so many other factors that should be weighed, you know, whether it's a religious or conscientious objection, mm-hmm. whether it's they have the antibodies, medical, natural immunity, yeah. medical. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that that's another issue. But I, I uh, you know, it's sometimes hard to read about yourself. And it's kind of like this out of body experience. You're like, yeah. well, they were writing an article about me or about us. It's kind of wild. It was wild. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I, I didn't think of it that way, but it made I feel like that's like an out of body experience. Yeah, but it was uh, it was cool and uh, nice free media, I guess, <laughs> to uh, to kind of hit the the podcast plug. Um, all right, so what else you you've been up to? There was a, a redistricting meeting, and uh, how did that go? So redistricting has been happening for some time now, and uh, it was actually an eye opening experience for me because I've never been in a redistricting committee and. They only happen every 10 years because of the census. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of my fellow legislators were like, you definitely have to be on this commit, uh, commission. It's you know um, really eye-opening. It's informative. And, and I love learning as much as I can about government and how it uh, operates. So uh, front row seat, literally, um, to learn more about redistricting. Um, and so I've always wondered, too, why more districts don't look more like squares. And there's a reason for that. And I've actually had constituents ask, like, can you please just, like, draw squares like lines? And right. I'm like, you know, that's the way I would think until I'm sitting in these redistricting committees and learning that we can't pack, stack, or crack districts. Hmm. And that night committee was kind of like listening to who's on first, if, if you guys were paying attention to that committee. Yeah. 
people were like, what? You know, so as they were explaining what that means, mm-hmm. um, you have to maintain communities of likeness. Uh, for example, like if you have a farming community, a rural community, urban, okay. Hispanic, Latino, black, so on and so forth. So you don't want to break up a demographic. No, okay. you don't. So it's it's not necessarily uh, geographical. It can be it geographical, can be. too. There are a lot of things that have to be weighed and yes. factored into this. It's almost like a, a like a, a salad or a recipe where you got to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. you got to bring it all together. So oh, wow, demographics count, mm-hmm. uh, geography counts, geography counts. Uh, city or town counts. Um, yes. Uh, like, but Like ideally you would want a community to not be divided if, they're, if it's small if enough. If that's possible, but right. Rhode Island, you know. We're so small and we're so unique compared okay. to the rest of the country. I mean, mm-hmm. We're the smallest state in, in the country. Right. But like um, your district has all of Barville, all of Gloucester, and a little piece of Marshfield. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's trying to stay to the geography. It's trying right. to stay to the, the demography, you know, the farmers or the uh, more rural kind of communities. Um, so I, it sounds like it's already met some of those criteria. It did. And just so you guys know that. Rhode Island, um, you know, our districts are pretty small compared to the rest of the country. The only mm. other state that has smaller districts would be um, New Hampshire, which oh. sometimes only has like 400 people in it. But they have like, I don't know how many senators, tons and tons, because you have one senator for like 400 people. Uh, but they also don't um, get paid. It's mm-hmm. free. Like, not that Rhode Island senators get paid much, $16,000 for the year. Yeah. But um, but it's super part-time it's over super, there. Yeah, it's yeah. part-time, even, even in Rhode Island's part. So we, it's hard to compare us to the rest of the country because we are unique. Every state is allowed to come up with their own sort of metric. For, for, they are, but, but we they also... But they have to abide by these guidelines, right? Federal guidelines. Mm-hmm. So we can't just draw maps how we think we should draw maps here in Rhode Island. Um, we do have to follow federal guidelines. So I just wanted to mention that before we move on to the next topic, because I think that people are going to start to hear more about redistricting in the news. Because now that preliminary maps have come out, mm-hmm. things are going to start to heat up. There are going to be some um, some infighting, let's say, right. within the, um, the Democrat Party about district lines. So uh, we will definitely be talking more about redistricting in uh, upcoming episodes. And where can, if someone was interested in seeing their own um, community, their own city or town, how can they how can they do that? Yeah, they can go to redistricting RI. Um, I'm gonna pull it up right now. Re- but this would give them the ability to see, you know, for let's say they live in North Providence, um, you know, where are the district lines and where does it begin, where does it end, and and, and such, right? Yes. So you um, can actually draw your own maps online and submit them um, as ideas. Mm-hmm. And I'll put in the link because now I have to find it. I heard that they even meet with people. Like they private will. citizens mm-hmm. can say, you know, I have an idea. Can you do this? And yeah. and that's considered as well. Yep, you can absolutely mm-hmm. do that. And so all the maps are online. You can see what, um, you know, how many uh, how many people the district has gained, how many they've lost. And... Um, it would be fun. I think I was drawing the maps. I was looking online and drawing lines to see how, um, if I shift my district, what happens to other just surrounding right. districts. So um, do you I see, definitely recommend it. You know, people hear about gerrymandering a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you see any gerrymandering that might be happening in the works this time around? Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah. You're on the committee, so I feel like you have a front row seat to it, and um, you would be privy to some of that, you know, uh, gerrymandering if it was happening it's not a secret 
Um, so it's not like, you know, I'm, these are all open meetings. It's all open. And right now there's already like the maps came out yesterday and there was one rep who, um, you know, wants to try to cut out, uh, an opponent Mm -hmm. so that the opponent can't run against him again. So his, this progressive beat out a more moderate Democrat Mm -hmm. and he cut the moderate Democrat out of his district. But the person who was drawing those lines didn't know that. They weren't like, hey, trying to cut somebody out. They were just saying, okay, you know your community well. Let's draw some preliminary maps. These are not the maps that are going, um, that we're going to end up with. These okay. are preliminary. We're, this is why we have an open process. Right. Because in this instance, we see that a rep was trying to cut out his opponent because his opponent has actually said he's going to run again. I see. So this was a, uh, a preliminary shot against them, preemptively draw the map to cut them out so that suddenly that he doesn't have to and i I don't know enough about the house inner workings but i have to believe that the speaker didn't know that Mm -hmm. you know but like i said preliminary maps um it's an open process this is the reason why was we don't want to um we don't want to disenfranchise anyone right all right and then uh, the other news that broke this week was um the governor announced a um uh a vaccine well we're calling it a vaccine passport he takes issue with that but we're calling it a vaccine passport because that's what all the news media he doesn't take issue with that he doesn't he well, he didn't in, a, in a back and forth uh you know several interviews he he oh, he didn't he did. say it's not a vaccine passport yeah. he just said well it's an app you know it's an app to make yeah. things easier more convenient <laughs> but all the news uh papers boston globe providence journal providence business news i mean they're all talking about local radio and mm-hmm. news they're all calling it a vaccine passport because that's essentially what it would be. It would be a uniform system to identify whether or not you've been vaccinated. The only thing is it's not mandatory yet, right? Um, yeah. Operative word. All right. So I thought it would be fun to, uh, to if you don't mind playing, uh, or maybe I play devil's advocate and uh, <laughs> advocate for the vaccine passports sure. and just kind of hear what your position would be. Like, how would you respond to some of the criticisms? So again, just to kind of lay the work, uh, lay, lay, lay the groundwork and give some context here, the governor announced, um, it kind of leaked on Tuesday night, December, um, no, I guess, uh, yeah, he, anyways, the governor announced earlier this week, Tuesday night, that um, an app was going to be uh, downloadable, and it would be called 401 Health. Uh, cell phones, tablets, other devices would be able to download it. And uh, this would be an app or platform known as the Smart Health Card um, that it will also draw information from uh, portal.ri.gov. So oh, it would sync. That's so sick. <laughs> it would it would link up with the Rhode Islands. You know, um, I'm just saying better. that I shouldn't even be worried, right? Because no one's have ever hacked any you know electronic system ever. Right. All right. So <laughs> you know, here's some of the arguments for it, and I just want to hear your response because you were, you were actually in an interview earlier this week, and I don't feel like yesterday. you were given <laughs> yesterday. Well, it depends on when people are listening sure, to this, true, but actually. yes, it was uh, uh, on uh, Thursday. Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, you were interviewed um, on the Dan York show. And he asked you to come on and just uh, talk about a tweet that you put out there because mm-hmm. uh, you, you it's fair to say, are very vocal in opposition to this vaccine passport. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you didn't really get to kind of lay out your case there. I think you were interrupted quite a bit and um, a lot of rabbit trails. And it was 
hard to kind of gather your your uh, your point when you're being rolled over or interrupted or stopped. Yeah. At least that was my take, and I don't think I was alone in that. A lot of people seem to. But I held my ground, and if you want to listen to the episode, you can go to my my Senate page and look for it. I think you did a great job. You did. You held your ground. You you knew what you were advocating for, and um, you were not alone in that. You know, when I was listening to the program later and listen. Uh, listening to the callers one after one they seem to agree with your perspective all right so mm -hmm. that said here's what i think the uh the supporters of this app it's a very simple app um would say you know first of all the governor said it's optional it's only to make life easier it's to make it easier for the person who's vaccinated but also for businesses and places that may want to check mm -hmm. for uh, for vaccine status so it's optional. Why are you making it sound like a passport or some mandate when he never used mandate, never made it mandatory? In fact, he said uh, recently, I think in an interview, that it is optional. It will not be mandatory. Hmm. Why do you take issue with that? You know, if all interviews are like this, where you ask a question and then I can respond <laughs> instead of you keep talking. Well, you try to keep to things civil, right? Church and well, state. So. All right. So... Um, the, the issue is distrust in government. Mm -hmm. Um, we've been told that vaccines were going to be optional, that you weren't going to lose your job and it was going to be up to the individual, right? Your conscience or your religious beliefs. And here we have, um, thousands of Rhode Islanders have lost their jobs, their livelihoods, mm -hmm. um, threatened with, uh, re revo revoking their licenses. One um, oral surgeons already lost his license. And I actually remember speaking to someone who met with the governor, um, knew the governor in Cumberland, and had, she had a chance to, she was a health professional licensed and spoke to him and said, I'm nervous that I'm going to be, I'm going to lose my license. And the governor told her to her face, no one is going to lose their license. Right. No one is going to lose their license. And um, she took him at his word, but of course, I think it was just days later, this um, Dr. Scully, or, yeah, 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 lost his license. Mm -hmm. um, and he has tons of legitimate reasons, right? Uh, I think he's got yeah. antibodies, medical things, Lyme disease, all kinds of issues yeah. that they're concerned that the even the, um, the vaccine may uh, uh, worsen some other health his issues. Condition, yeah. yeah. Um, so my issue is that you know we say it's temporary. But what program, government program, do you know has been temporary? Or um, I look at what I was trying to say in the interview was we, even at the beginning of the pandemic, when I saw people on the news, like in China, falling to the ground right there in the middle of, you know, like a street square, and, and they passed out. And uh, we didn't know what was happening. And I remember there was like a, people were buying masks because they were afraid. And, and uh, I remember the media telling us, um, healthcare professionals saying don't buy a mask they're not effective and then sure enough we found out that the reason why they said that was because they didn't want to run on masks because they needed them for healthcare workers and why not be honest with with the american public so we have our government um the, the distrust of government and, and our even own president of the united states said we're uh, we're not going to mandate this mm -hmm. actually a year ago i think it was like in december of 2020 he was very very clear it won't be mandatory don't right, worry december yeah. yeah yeah and here we are 
people losing their jobs is absolutely mandatory. So when you tell me that this app, this vaccine passport app is going to be optional, I don't believe you mm-hmm. because your track record has said otherwise. Mm. Yeah, and I even remember when they said it's uh, two weeks to flatten the curve, two weeks to slow the spread. And two weeks has turned into almost two years. Mm-hmm. So we are, um, I don't see an end in sight. I was actually more optimistic back in um, maybe uh, April, March or April, you know, knowing the vaccine was rolling out mm-hmm. and and um, seeing that it was effective, it, it, largely effective with, with most people. I was very optimistic that things would really truly open up. And, and then suddenly we just took this hard left turn. Um, all yeah, right. It's like they doubled down. They doubled down on it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you, um, what about it's voluntary even for businesses? Businesses aren't mm-hmm. going to be required to use it. Do you, do you take issue with that too? It, like I said before, it's a voluntary program now until the government mandates it, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't say that it's not like the vaccine. People have lost their jobs. It's mandatory. It's not optional. So as this program, more and more people adopt it, What's going to happen if a grocery store implements this policy? Mm-hmm. It's one thing if a restaurant does, I just won't, I won't, I won't go there. I'll mm-hmm. go somewhere else. But what happens in a pediatrician's office or a government agency, a government building? What happens then? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and the other issue is businesses can deny you service. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, being a clerk and and I could deny certain products to people, cigarettes, tobacco, or alcohol. You know, we didn't have alcohol at the store, but um, you have the right to refuse service. I have the right to refuse service. And right. a bartender can do that. A store, you know, as we saw the Supreme Court with them, there was a religious case. They didn't want to make a cake. Like there are there are provisions, not even provisions, that businesses have the ability to deny service Mm -hmm. and if they choose to deny service based on vaccine status it can happen it's not it's not the people that are afraid of this they're not imagining this is not imaginary fear this is not not a conspiracy yeah yeah um i think you even suggested that it's it's almost marginalizing people that have not been vaccinated and creating like a two-tiered system yeah like two classes um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I put that on Twitter. It, it will create a different class uh, of, of individuals because you'll have the the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. And the unvaccinated will be marginalized because, and, and it could be, again, for conscientious or for religious reasons or for medical reasons, where they won't be able to participate as they once did with the community. They'll be barred from certain activities. And these are our friends. These are our neighbors. Yeah. Are we okay with this? Right. You uh, you shared on the uh, radio during that interview that you had received a lot of phone calls from people very upset. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about that? I, you know, I just want, I just want them to know they're heard. It, it may not be, you know, I wish our legislature would do something about it. Um, I know many times you get a lot of pressure from people like, Jessica, why don't you just do something? Just make them <laughs> get back in there. It's like you can't just snap your fingers yeah. and and demand that they show up. Yeah. You're, you're not going to show up at their house and start tying them up, throwing them in the back of the, the truck. I would and, probably get arrested for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
or send the state police to their home and drag them into the state house, right. you know, because they're truant or something. You yeah. know, they're not showing yeah. up. No, that's you're trying that's to horse. use every legal means, and you're trying to use all of your any influence you have and your reach, whether it be on social media, the email list, or anything else, to try to get the word out there. But ultimately, these other lawmakers and the governor himself has to make a decision. Right. Um, the other thing, maybe to to bring up, is you you've been. Uh, beating the drum on the state of emergency and trying to get that ended. Yeah. Uh, how long has it been? Can I just go back to one thing? Yeah. I it, We talk a lot about equity in this state, mm. right, and marginalized voices and the oppressed and how they may be small, but their voices matter. I don't see that in this state. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a total farce and lie. We don't really care about equity in the marginalized and those in the minority voice. If we don't care about the healthcare workers and the individuals who have these deeply held convictions, when we have 96% um, compliance, mm -hmm. and you can't allow for 4% of the population to exercise their conscience, mm -hmm. do we really believe in equity? Mm -hmm. Do we really? Mm -hmm. Do we really care about the marginalized? No. Yeah, I can, even now I hear some of that anger. <laughs> I'm like, all right, everybody calm down. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not the other guy. Um, All right. Sorry. So you were saying. Yeah. No, I, uh, I get you, but I, I hear you on the phone and I know that you're responding to people and it breaks your heart. You share, you know, with, with me sometimes some of the, um, the, the accounts of people that are experiencing real hardship. So it's very real. And I think some people aren't aware of that. Um, maybe it's because they're not asking. Maybe it's because they, they're not, you know, they, they may be in a different bubble or just a different kind of circle of friends and influence. Them. Yeah, it doesn't affect them, but um, maybe it's because of your position as a lawmaker where you have made a commitment to respond to emails and phone calls and, and make sure that, uh, especially your constituents hear from you, you know about these things. So they're, they're very real. Um, well, any uh, any last words on this? Um, maybe one last thing, just about the state of emergency. Mm -hmm. uh, we're well into the 600s now, 630 something days of uh, an ongoing state of emergency. Do you see any end in sight for that? Um, like you, at one point I said, wow, you know, we're turning the curve here. We're, things are gonna get better. Mm -hmm. And- We're almost out of this we're thing. We're almost out of this thing. And yeah. I thought, you know, th there were two times that I felt that way. And after the second time, I thought to myself, this is, this is really bad. This is, if we don't, Put pressure on our elected officials i just um i don't know how long this will last because the variants there will always be new variants um i've heard from physicians this is obviously i'm not a physician so i'm not speaking in my capacity but from the physicians that i've spoken to they've said you know this is going to be with us forever there will be mutations and uh we're going to have to learn to live with it mm -hmm. I don't that know would be the an endemic Endemic, phase, yes, right? pandemic exactly. this thing you know maybe we can still bottle it up and end it but yeah. uh, endemic is it's going to be like the flu or HIV right. you know it'll continue to be deadly but we're going to have to learn how to live with it in, in some capacity right. and that means that the legislature needs to get back to work and we need to legislate and figure out how do we live um, with this endemic well said but never give up hope right and if you're listening and you think you want to run for office let me know. I will 
I would love to talk to you and, and get you connected. Jessica's trying to build her coalition of freedom <laughs> fighters and, and liberty-minded people who want to get Rhode Island back on the right track. So if you uh, are listening to this, you are not alone. Um, you're in, we're in this with you, and, and Jessica wants to continue to be a, a voice for you. But uh, we know that there need to be other voices out there as well. All right. God bless you guys. Uh, stick around for today's closing quote. Today's closing quote comes from one of the greatest, President Ronald Reagan. He said, no government ever voluntarily reduces itself in size. Government programs once launched never disappear. Actually, a government bureau is the nearest thing to eternal life we'll ever see on Earth. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.